I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the making of it. Barnes has come in. And welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Just myself and Tom this afternoon, this evening, this morning, whenever you're listening to us. Jordan Weimer, like Ben Hamer, has been given the day off. Um, so, Tom, uh, FA Cup games. I mean, one of those that you get excited about, but also there's not been a lot to get excited about from a Watford perspective for several years now. So you kind of start to dread them a bit. What what kind of camp are you in at the minute? Yeah, I, I like the FA Cup. And to be honest with you, we've not had a great record in it of, of recent times, have we? I looked it up because it's been kind of said a few times, but we've not won an FA Cup game period since that semi-final against Wolves in 2019. So yeah, I approached mm. it with a bit of, you know, kind of tr- not trepidation is too strong, but certainly the feeling that we could um, slip up Chesterfield, very good team. They'll be in the Football League next year. As we mentioned, my work means that I keep a close eye on them. And I think I think a few others will be after the weekend as well because they gave a really, really good account of themselves. Indeed, they were very good, weren't they? Very, very good yeah. to watch. Um, let's begin uh, in goal then. And we alluded to it earlier, Ben Hamer uh, not included, <laughs> given a, a probably a, a much-deserved break-off after his... Uh, you know, period with the team, uh, doing very well. Backman back in his charts, his big opportunity to say, Oi, I should be the number one goalkeeper, but uh, didn't have quite the desired effects that I think he was hoping for, did he? He wasn't great, Tom. No, it, he was always going to lose, I think, on Saturday because if he had a good game and he did nothing wrong and he made a few decent saves, the detractors, the doubters would say, well, you can't read too much into it. It's only a, a National League team. And if he didn't do everything perfectly, then people would say, oh, well, that's exactly why he's not in the team at the moment. And I think, to be honest with you, it was probably the latter, wasn't it? Um, 
Is it's not that's the worst of the two, though. Oh, isn't of it? course, that's it. Absolutely, that's a, absolutely. Look, you have to take into account, and as, as Ismail said prior to the game, you know, he's not played for a while, so he's bound to be a bit rusty, he's bound to be a bit nervy. You know, he is meant to be, as you say, captain number one. It's one of those spots where it's like, it's my spot, I am the goalkeeper. Um, so when you're taking out the team, especially for someone like him, I think you know, has kind of I don't want to say ego, but you know, that personality where he really wears it that, you know, I am the Watford goalkeeper, I am the captain. I think for him, it's a, you know, it is a bit of a, a difficult thing to get your head around to be suddenly dropped so spectacularly and so publicly. Um, you know, it wasn't like he lost his place through injury, he was out for one game through suspension. So all of that kind of contributes to a lot of pressure being on him. I suspect he probably put a lot of pressure on himself and it just, yeah, as you say, it was the kind of the worst end of the scale in, in that respect. I don't think he does as terribly on the goal as people, certainly on Twitter, have made out. But I think there's an element of we've all got our entrenched positions on Daniel Batman now. So, you know, make of that what you will. Obviously, he doesn't cover himself in glory because I think he gets kind of a little bit stuck on that near post, perhaps. But you also have to look at the whole piece and say, well, Fullback's got to be doing more to stop the cross because it's not a particularly quick cross. It's not like the guy um, uh, Raheem Shackleford has kind of haired down the right-hand side. He sort of sauntered down the right-hand side there up against James Morris. And in the middle, you know, Sierra Alta and Tom Dedebashiri between them <clears throat> managed to let Joe Quigley, who, by the way, has scored a lot of goals this season for Chesterfield whilst not starting very many games at all, um, allow him a free header. It's You know, it's easy as anything. So... I think Sierra Alta has to take at least the same kind of portion of blame that that Batman has, but yeah, not a, a not a good day for him at all. And and you know, I put a tweet out after the game about kind of winners and losers. I think he was by far and away the biggest loser from a Watford perspective. Yeah, and it's interesting you you said there that he started out as. Um you know, coming in as like the captain number one, but um, he actually wasn't the captain for that game, was he? Um, the, the 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 manager Ishmael decided to stick with who as the captain for this game, um, and and he, he actually he put out a statement sort of explaining his decision. He says he I, I felt it was important Dan was able to focus on his own performance today um, because he hasn't played for a while and there was no need to add any extra pressure. That statement says a lot in itself, doesn't it? Really, oh, absolutely. Look, I got. To, I'll start with a positive here because I think it's, I can't remember us ever doing this. It was frequently as we have this season, getting these little snippets and the quotes and tidbits that say this is the decision and this is why, and just sort of dealing with it head on from the outset rather than kind of going around the houses and you know trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. You know, Ishmael for all his faults is big enough and ugly enough to go, this is my decision, this is why I've made it and I'm sticking with it. And if you've got questions, I'll answer it like an adult. So I've got a lot of time for him for that and a lot of respect for him for that. And and this was the latest one. And actually, I think it was the right decision, to be perfectly honest, because on, on two levels, because first and foremost, he's right in what he says. To come back in with all the things that we've just discussed and perform, you know, he needs to focus first and foremost on his performance. Being captain takes a lot out of you. There is a lot of additional pressure and expectation uh, attached to that. But but also I think it needs to be shown that it's an honour, it's something that you earn as well as kind of being given. And 
you know, if you've not been playing, I don't think you can expect to waltz back in as captain um, when you hadn't necessarily been performing prior to that. So, yeah, I think I think it was the right call, um, but it, it probably didn't kind of elevate him, help him as as much as as this man would have would have hoped. And I think you know, I'm going to answer a question you haven't asked, but um, I would be surprised now between now and the end of the season, apart from cup games, if Backman plays again, unless. Um, injury suspension forces him back into the team. I, I really do think it is now Ben Hamer is number one on the, the depth chart, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, Batman does sort of strike me as a player who's very much based upon how his mental state is. And if he's not happy or feeling confident, he won't play very well. Whereas there, there are other players out there who yeah. they will just play, you know, pretty much pretty consistently every game it might be rubbish every game but, hmm. but it's not going to change based on how they're feeling at the time no i know exactly i know exactly what you mean i think i think you're right it's um you know i think to all to some extent every player is affected right and and as you say some of them can kind of shrug it off decompartmentalize what's going on in their personal lives how they played last game how they played in the first half whatever it is if they've made an error and just kind of go that's gone um we move on best foot forward kind of thing but i think he plays it's a confidence position anyway, and I think he really plays on the edge of that in terms of the kind of emotion. I think sometimes you see the best of that when he makes saves that other goalkeepers wouldn't, and sometimes you see the worst of that when he makes errors other goalkeepers wouldn't or kind of ends up charging out his goal and getting a needless booking because he's so riled up about a decision that's gone against Watford. So I think emotive, you know, he is an emotive character. Certainly, you know, don't know the guy, never met the guy. This is based purely on watching him. But yeah, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think um, that is, that is potentially or has proven to be and potentially continue to be a problem for him. Okay, then um, the FA Cup, Tom, it's one of those competitions that often youngsters or players on the fringes will get thrown into, um, like Batman, as, as we've just discussed. Who else was given that opportunity and who shone in that game? Who, who took their chance? Yeah, it's an interesting one, certainly. I think um, we made five changes, wasn't it? I uh, wrote them down earlier. So, obviously, Batman for Hamer, Dilly Bashiri for Andrews, Sierra for Porteous, Espria for Kayembe, and Healy for Ravich. To be honest with you, I don't think it was a good day for most of them, really, was it? We obviously kind of picked apart Batman's performance. I think Sierra as I say, didn't have a good time of it um, on the goal and just generally didn't look at the races I guess the other one to really talk about is um is Healy. is, is Reese Healy yeah, yeah exactly he he's coming for a lot of flack and I think that's a little bit unfair if I'm honest I don't think he had a good game by any stretch of imagination just don't think he was at the races he looked off the pace and it's hardly surprising he's played 111 minutes this season in the league across um, various substitute appearances. This was his first start um, since the League Cup, I think I'm right in saying. And, you know, that is no way to kind of get into the rhythm of things from a sharpness point of view, a fitness point of view, just getting, yeah, hitting the game. And I think a bit like Batman, he probably went in thinking, right, I've really got to prove a point. This is my chance. You know, if we go out today, conceivably I don't get another proper chance this season. Um so, you know, a lot of kind of pressure on Ranjini would have put on himself or, or would have felt and it just it just didn't go right for him. And I think he wasn't helped either, it's it's worth saying, by the fact that 
he was playing up front on his own. He's not he's not huge. He's not particularly strong. He's not a physical presence in the in in the way that someone like Bayo is. Um, and I've yet to see it, but my suspicion is that he would be better in a front two, uh, which you know was an opportunity he didn't get. And then we finally go with with two up front um, towards the end, don't we? Because Hatado and Rajevic come on, and and Healy's the one to make way because he's got double cramp um, in both calves, which you know again I think speaks to the fact that he's not. Mm. He was not ready to play, what was it, 66 minutes or, or something like that. So it's a bit of a catch-22 for Ishmael, I guess, because on one hand, we've all been kind of calling to see more of him and saying, crikey, if if, if we're losing this home game and, and we're not bringing Healy on, then when is the opportunity that presents itself that he he is the right man for? But at the same time, he's clearly not fit to play any or, you know, match ready to play any kind of great length of time. I could see it being one where he maybe goes out on loan for the rest of the season because I don't think, you know, if they believe in him at all and they evidently do because they signed him pretty early, um, then, you know, I don't think it does anyone any good him getting little piecemeal kind of outings here and there, a few minutes here and there off the bench. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we moved moved him out on loan at some point this window if the, the right opportunity arises. Watching him trying to head the ball out of the air was comical. It, it, it was comical. The ball was being lumped up to him and he was there doing his best to jump against the, you know, the, the six foot three defenders who he was up against. There was no chance. There was no chance. And you could see him kind of like doing his best, really trying, but, you know, he can't grow. And that's not his... That's not his style. That's not his that's not his game. So he was actually doing the holding up role. Not too bad, to be honest. He was pretty I mean, better than better than Ryovic does. He was he was receiving the ball, playing it off, but he wasn't getting those through balls that he wanted. Probably played better in a two, but unfortunately for him, he didn't get the opportunity because he just when he was about to get that chance, he, he got injured and uh and they had to switch it around. But um Sad for him because it could have been his day and now I feel like less injuries, which could happen, he, he won't get too much more time on the pitch. No, I agree. That's the thing about these cup games, isn't it? You, you know, you see it, I've said it before, I know in the League Cup, when it's kind of prior to the transfer, do you think, well, that might be the last time you see that player because they'll get shifted out. And I'm not saying that he'll get shifted out for good, but you would reasonably assume, given his usage so far, that he's not going to suddenly change Ishmael's mind either about his own abilities or how we have to set up and, and play with the two because we've not played with the two from the start all season. So it really is up to him to kind of fall in with, with the system and, and, and the style of play. And I just I haven't seen anything in, in admittedly limited um, minutes to suggest that he will. So, yeah, I, I do feel sorry for him. But as I say, I, I can... <laughs> can definitely see that being one where he uh, he gets moved out on loan for the rest of the season and reassess it in the summer. Ah, oh, it's hard because he's been asking for a chance. He's got he's been given the chance and he's not taking it, but has he really been given the chance? No, that's exactly what I think. Uh, that's exactly how I feel, I should say. Um we arguably don't really play to his strengths at all in that sense, do we? You know, a lot of our play is trying to get the ball into that forward player and, and and play off him or going down the flanks and then kind of coming inside, you know, slipping through balls through kind of playing at pace and kind of countering at pace is is not really what we do a lot of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, 
Um, the other one that obviously came in was a spree for Kayembe, which meant Jack for Tadze going back into midfield, uh, having played on the left at Plymouth. And I thought, yeah, you know, no one did well in the first half. Let's be clear about that. They were all kind of better in the second half. And it was it was a great delivery for the for the Rivic header to to draw us level. Um, yeah, it wasn't any better or any worse than anyone else for me, to be honest with you. But overall, I think it was probably a... I'm sorry, one more isn't there. Deli Bashiri for Andrews. Again, out of his out of place at right back. And I see that Ngaki is kind of still being couched as a long-term injury. We've got to sign a right back this month. If we do nothing else, I think we've got to sign a right back because Andrews has been fantastic, but he's still very young. We need that cover. Mm. And... It shouldn't fall to Tom Deli Bashiru. I think he's a good he's good enough to play in midfield. You know, he's not kind of making up the numbers as a right back. He's good enough to play in this midfield, particularly whilst Kayembe's away and loses out of form. But in the second half, obviously the change was Andrew's coming in, freeing up Deli Bashiru to go back into midfield. And I thought he was probably our best player. I know Jordan was very high on him and um, you know, said, you know, he's really kind of nailed his Colours to the mast as, as an option to take up one of those number eight roles while Kayembe is at AFCON with Congo. And I, I couldn't agree more. He was fantastic. I thought he took the goal really, really well. The little kind of shimmy of his hips to make that f- space in the right. He gets a little bit lucky with the deflection on the finish, but, you know, to get in the area and, and, uh, and, and kind of create the space for himself, I thought he did really well. He had another chance prior to that where he came in off the left and, and, and crashed one in towards the bottom corner that Ryan Boot pushed around the post. Um, you know, he wanted to get the kind of be positive as soon as he got on the ball. That was his intent throughout. And yeah, I thought he was I thought he was really good. So if anyone was a winner out of the, the changes, it was him based on the second half. Yeah. Um they took their goal really well, Chesterfield. Um Watford started the match probably the best of the two initially. They, they, were about, they had about 10 minutes, I think, Watford, where they really should have taken advantage of the, the the space they had and the fact that they were just, you know, the better quality players. Two missed opportunities, and it felt like it might be one of those games, Tom, where, uh, where, where, where mm. you know, we'd lose out once again. But uh, this team, there's something to like about them. They stick together a bit more, and Valerian certainly yeah. has to... You know, take his share of the credit here because he got them playing better in the second half, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a season-defining game by any stretch. But it was the kind of game where they just sort of, I don't know, showed they cared a bit more than previous iterations of this squad have. Yes. I think there's, you know, it depends if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty sort of person to take that sort of outlook on life. Because, yeah, first half, it started well for the first sort of 10 minutes. There was the Kone chance, wasn't there, where he kind of robbed uh, Miguel Freckleton, went through. He never quite looked comfortable going through. He kind of was looking like, who can I give this to that's in a better position and realised he was just going to have to take the chance himself, kind of allowed himself to get too close to Ryan Boot before he shot and keep saves. And then Martin's, you know, fairly tame header looped up. Um, but, you know, pretty much from then on, I thought Chesterfield were the better team. And I thought it was, I was telling, and it was, it was right in, I make their, um, their assistant manager, Danny Webb, right in that he said, we played our normal game. We can take optimism from this game. The game's ahead. We take so much heart into the game. It's Wednesday now. He wanted to, the gaffer said he wanted to leave here today with people saying, what a good football team we are. And I think they will. And I think that's true because they made changes and, and you know, credit needs to go to, Dar- um, I was about to say Derbyshire. I'm reading the Derbyshire Times, so that quote, Chesterfield, because they did play their normal game despite making changes and, 
and try and take the game to us as best they could. They didn't just kind of camp in the box, in the edge of the box and and, and defend. And, and Watford looked like they thought it'd be easy, you know, that they thought they could stroll to the win, that they're even with the changes, their superior quality would tell. And that's the bit where you have to be glass half empty and say, that's not good enough. I thought we were past this. The glass half full, as you rightly say, is that whatever Ishmael said at half time clearly worked. We know the changes that made, mentioned a minute ago, Tom Dilly Bashir going into the field, Ryan Andrews dropping back in at right back and the, the impact that that had. Um, but, you know, Ishmael said he had to essentially have, have had to, had to get have a go at them. I had to get loud at half time. Um, and Wes, who kind of backed that up and said that he had a, a few thirds, a few thirds, a few words to say as well. And I think, you know, we've 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 praised them for that plenty of times, but uh, for scoring late, for fighting back, and I think we're, well, if not top, one of the top teams in the, in the championship for goals in the last fifteen minutes. But you don't always want to be doing that either, do you? Sometimes it would just be nice to come out at you know, 90%, take the lead and and build from there rather than having to come from behind because we saw, you know, against Plymouth that, that, that kind of going behind, we had to keep coming back from behind to get a point. It's not a given that we go behind and then we win. So there's a result, there's some positives to take from that aspect in there, but, you know, also we do need to be, um, we need to be avoiding situations where we fall behind. It's it's that simple, and we're not we're not keeping many clean sheets. Is the other thing I wanted to say. Sorry, um, just on top of that, you know, as as well as Ben Hamer has done, and I'm not for one second um, blaming Ben Hamer in 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 saying this, but the last clean sheet we kept was against Rotherham on November the 11th. Um, that is something that, and we've not kept many this season at all, to be fair. But that is something. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And that, that, that generally needs to improve as well. Right, we now come to the standing agenda. Uh, Mileta Rajevic mm. and how he keeps scoring goals despite not particularly doing much else. Uh, I mean, in in some ways, uh, Tom, I actually prefer this version of Rajevic, the Rajevic that comes on late, uh, grabs the winner, or, well, grabs the uh, the equaliser in this case. But um, I prefer that role for him yeah. far more than the the... The, the role of the starter. It's funny, isn't it? Because, yes, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think he's quite good at that, being the kind of sniffer, Johnny on the spot type. He's not a brilliant finisher, but he's definitely not a bad finisher. Um, and if our other strikers were better, then he probably would do that more often. But despite his shortcomings, the other strikers aren't more, aren't better or aren't at least more prolific in the case of Bayo. So he ends up playing quite a lot. Um, I think the thing with Rajevic is it's going to kind of, you know, there's a, there's a Rajevic ometer and it go one week. It's if he doesn't score, it's he's the worst striker ever. He's the worst football player ever. And if he does score, the the kind of pendulum swings to, well, he, he, we know what he is and we know what he isn't. And he, he scores goals and that's all you can ask of him. And, and I think both things can be true at the same time. So, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think anything's gonna change drastically with him. I think he's still kind of learning, and and to that end, there was a quote and something that I was unaware of, um, shared on Twitter this week by one of the Watford accounts. I apologise, I can't remember who it was. They dug this quote out from a Danish source, basically saying, "Until a year ago, I was part time in Nastved, Nistved, something like that." Don't know how to say that word. It's a club. <laughs> and lived at home with my parents to minimise costs. I know that I am not the finished product and I feel that I have much more in me. I must admit, I didn't realise he was part-time yeah. until that recently. And I think, you know, if that's your kind of upbringing, that's your kind of route, despite his age, you know, he's not old, but he's not young, young either. He's, what, 24, I think. Um, you know, as I said with... Yeah, 24. As I said in, in defending James Morris uh, last week... When we kind of had that question from from Rupert, the the point is kind of minutes, and you know minutes at a certain level count perhaps more than your actual age on your your passport. And he is, I guess, young in experience terms, so there needs to be a little bit of patience there. The unfortunate thing is that he is still our most reliable source of goals, so patience is kind of fairly thin on the ground in in that in that sense. So I think in what we've seen in his limited career so far, you know, Kalmar and Watford, if we just take those two into account, is that he is a reliable goal scorer. He's probably somewhere near a a one in two striker, which is, you know, which is the kind of golden mark, isn't it, to to be hitting. So some work on the training ground on those other things and kind of improving his experience um, of what the, the championship is about and the kind of physical aspect. Because I do think for a bloke that's six foot four, he really, you know, and it's not a particularly revelatory thought, but he does clearly struggle with that side of things. It's going to, it's going to take time, but I think, I think everybody likes, he's got a bit of 
a backstory and a bit of spunk about him and he wants to he wants to be a success and and he scores goals and he's a bit unorthodox and what have you so I, I yeah I don't think we should be writing him off either he could he could be a useful tool in a better kind of collection of forwards but at the moment we're just having to kind of utilize him more than we we might need to at this stage of his development yeah we spoke in the last pod about the fact that he hasn't got an assist yet uh well on saturday he did get an assist to an assist which is you know one step closest yes, to, to his uh, non-assist so yeah but um it has it been blown out of proportion or or, or did, was it actually you know good work on his part and it demonstrates uh that he's getting better in that area yeah i <sighs> I think a bit like Batman, and you know, I said can't get too carried away because playing a fifth tier team. I think there has been an element of that, but I think it also shows that he's not completely incapable, right? There is not a case of a complete and utter technical deficiency where the ball just bounces off him any time it goes near him. He is cap- he can do it in the right circumstances. Maybe the you know the fullback at that point. I think it was Brandon Horton. Uh, or Brandon Horton's left back. I'm not sure if he was the one marking him at that point. Um, you know, maybe doesn't get tight enough or doesn't get strong enough, physical enough with him. So there's there's an element of he can do it in the right conditions. So, you know, those are things that are teachable, though. I do think that's something that's teachable. You get on the training ground, you know, even if it's just 1v1 and, you know, get with a coach and fireballs into him and have the coach up behind him and say, right, trap it and lay it off, trap it and lay it off and just work on that. You know, that is totally, totally and utterly teachable. So, yeah, I think I think there was a positive in that. And, you know, he was, although he wasn't one of the guys that came into the side, he came on and he was probably a, a bit of a winner against all mm. expectations. And starting to score a lot of headers as well. Something that we haven't had for a little while in, in a yellow shirt. Yes. Well... How long? How long do you think it is since we have had a player that has scored um, as many headed goals as him in a season? He's got four now uh, headers, uh, the, and the last player to score more than him got five. Am I, am, I, am I supposed to look at like a centre back? Is that right? Or are we looking at someone like Cathcart or someone? Or? No, it'd be it's a it's a it's a centre forward. Centre forward. Centre forward in the pot. Who scores headers? Well, that was the last player to score more headed goals than him. Who scored headers in? Oh, I can't think of many headers of the ball that we've had in recent times. Um, Deeney certainly didn't get many with his head. Uh, uh, oh, maybe Odi Nigalo, maybe. Well done, you. Yes, this is just this is via. Um, the Google page for the game where they compile a few little stats. Uh, so four of Ravich's nine goals in all competitions this season have been headers. The last player to score more such goals for the Hornets in a single season was Odio Nogalo in 2014-15 with five headers. So the, the season we went up for the first time under Pozzo. Yeah, he got a whole load of different types of goals, didn't he? That yeah, was probably his it. best season for us in terms of a oh, yes, striking output. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. So there you go. Good knowledge, though. Well worked out. Well, I mean, it's not difficult. We didn't have many strikers that could <laughs> head a ball. So no, I just remember true. that he got a couple that season. But five, I didn't realise it was five, to be fair. So fair play to him. Um, okay, then, moving on. And uh, we got to see uh, our first sighting of a player that some of us weren't even sure if was still on the books or what was happening. But Jorge Hurtado, the Colombian, mm. uh, who had recently been on, out on loan at the New York Red Bulls. Um, 
Firstly, Tom, do we know if we did much there? Did he set did he set New York alight whilst he was there? And and, and <sighs> what did you think of his his uh, appearance uh, against yeah, Chesterfield? The t- well, I think the two things you know kind of are linked here and inform one another. He only played, as far as I can tell, and and American sports kind of do collate this data much better than we do. Um, he only played 117 minutes for New York Red Bulls first team across five appearances. Four of those were as a sub, and he actually played spent most of his time in MLS playing for their second string Red Bull, uh, New York Red Bulls 2 and their kind of next gen competition. So it got a decent amount of football out there, but it wasn't all kind of first team level football. I think that, you know, needs to be taken into account when we say it wasn't his best, it wasn't a kind of, oh my God, what a display, he's the answer kind of performance. But, I think we saw a little saw a little bit of something there. He was, you know, he wasn't shying away from doing things. He obviously got the assist, played the ball inside for uh, Tom Daly Bashiru to score the winner. But yeah, you know, he looked a little bit lightweight at times and what have you. It's, it's clearly going to take time. But he's someone, you know, if we say Ryevich hasn't played um, much football, then then Hatado's played kind of even less, hasn't he? Because he, we signed him as a. Uh, as a young player from Colombia and, you know, he's still only 20 and he's not got very much football under his under his belt at all, kind of, you know, 30-odd appearances in, in, in his whole career at this stage. So he is young. It's going to take time, but he's one that they evidently see potential in and promise in and hope to polish up and sell on. So I think the fact that he's now here and was involved suggests to me that he will be involved between now and the rest the end of the season. And given we only play one up front, if you've got him, Healy, Bio, well, after suspension and Ryovic, I don't think we can really expect to bring any other forwards in unless someone unless someone moves out because four into one is three unhappy forwards. And you think they could make the argument that Healy can go out on loan now because Hurtado's come in? Quite possibly, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I guess <sighs> there's an argument to say that, you know, if you believe in him and, and you want him to succeed here, then you, you would you would want to only loan him out if he was going to go and play in, in this country anyway. What's the point of loan, you know, for example knowing that he came from France. What's the point in loaning him back to France? A French club, you know what he can do there. He's proven what he can do there over a few seasons. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I look, It's not based on information or anything like that. It's pure guesswork. But I, I, I do wonder if, uh, if that could be something that happens probably quite late in the window as these things tend to with us. Do you think Cotardo will develop better uh, at Vicarage Road than he, than he would do going elsewhere? Yeah, by the same by the same token, I think he does. You know, he if if they've got hopes from playing in this country and and hopes for selling him in this country because that's where we'll get the most money for him in the long run, then he needs to be playing and, and performing in this country. But Bayer and Ryevich are quite clearly the kind of one A and one B striker at the moment, so his opportunities are probably going to be fairly limited. Um, you see him as a striker then, rather than as a winger. I think he probably will be on in maybe in the long run and maybe it's a case of kind of doing your apprenticeship as a as a wide player in in the interim but I think he looks more his, built than someone like Espria for example that's it exactly he's kind of 6 foot 1 he's not he's not small by any means quite good in the air generally by all accounts and and you know can use his body so I think that's where he'll he'll end up playing the majority of his football yeah Okay. Okay. Nice. And and, and you know, impressed with what you saw with 
some of his touches, yeah, they were, his they passing. Bits and bobs, as I say. I think, um, I think it's a tough game to throw him into, isn't it? You know, cold, FA Cup upset, he raucous Chesterfield fans, fairly flat Watford fans, mix and match team. It was not an easy game to come into for him, but, you know, he certainly didn't let himself down. I just think, you know, showed that little bit of kind of being a bit green and a bit 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 naive at this point. But he, he's um, he's one I'm excited to see more of, certainly. And in terms of bringing anyone else in, uh, we've identified right back as a place that we should be be looking at uh, is there anywhere else that you would you would you would consider I think you know most fans would turn around at this point and go goalkeeper and striker I just don't think we're going to do either of those so if we bypass those I think the next one for me would be another centre back because I think Sierra Alta gave a fairly poor performance and we know that he is made of wafer <laughs> Porteous has had his detractors this season. I think who has at times had his detractors this season, and yet he played again because he's the only properly left-sided centre half. So my answer there is another is another left-sided centre half. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, I wouldn't say no to another winger because I think we've got kind of horses for courses, but they all have detractions as well and I think a lot of our play goes through them so yeah I, I would say another another winger if I could if I could be greedy slight disappointment uh just from a personal point of view <laughs> that um Pollock didn't get any more game time felt like it was a good opportunity for him uh and also we had a uh, young lad on the on the bench as well um oh Jack, Jack Greaves. Greaves who also didn't get any game time so yeah but I guess the way the match played out they weren't going to get. Yeah. They weren't going to get put on, were they? That's yeah. I think that's a game state thing, isn't it? Ideal world. We're three 0 up after 50, 60 minutes. Greaves and Pollock probably both come on and get a nice little, uh, nice little chunk of minutes, but just wasn't to be for them, was it? I, I wonder if Pollock's another one who maybe go. If we sign another centre half this month, I think Pollock could be one that would would move out on loan or, or move on for good because he's just not had a proper look in here, and he's you know. He's been here a couple of years now, so uh, possibly not progressed as as hoped. Okay, cool. Um, let's move on then. Uh, this Sunday, and yes, Sunday, yeah. uh, Watford will make the short trip to Loftus Road to face QPR. 12 o'clock kickoff uh, in front of the cameras. I haven't been in front of the cameras for a little while now. Uh, a nice little opportunity for people who don't often always know where to get the streams from to uh to to sit back and just enjoy a, a bit more coverage yes guy job isn't it Indeed. um i must i must admit i was scrabbling around uh trying to find somewhere to watch the, the game. one it was difficult very very difficult it was, yes. My good Lord Riley Citizen will say no more than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, back on Sky and to get back to the point, QPR going through a little bit of a an iffy period, aren't they, in so far as the whole season has not been good, but after Gareth Ainsworth was sacked at the end of October, Marty Cifuentes came in and they only lost one of their first six under him, but they've not won since the 9th of December a run of six games and they've only scored twice in that run. The two up against Bournemouth in the FA Cup at the weekend and lost that as well. They just don't score many goals, to be honest. You know, don't really offer much attacking threat. So having said, we don't keep many clean sheets. It'd be a good day for us to start bucking that 
um, bucking that trend and, and get get a clean sheet. Uh, Eleven goals they've scored since Cifuentes came in, which is the third lowest in the championship, and that is only just behind where they kind of should be in terms of their xG, which is the third worst in championship at that at the, over that period of games. Twelve point six eight. Uh, their top scorers, Lyndon Dykes, Kenneth Pahl, the left back, and Chris Willock on three each. So, you know, they're not a good team. They're right where they probably should be in a relegation battle. Um, I would hope, strongly hope, that we can go there and put them to bed. We certainly owe them one for the absolute abomination of a performance there last season in um, in Chris Wilder's first game in charge. Our home form uh, has been a bit sporadic, hasn't it? We've, we've drawn quite a lot and, and lost, you know, a few that perhaps we shouldn't have done. But away, we've been pretty good, actually. Um, one of our best seasons away that we've had for a little while. Hopefully that will continue mm. uh, against QPR. Yeah, it's funny how it goes, isn't it? Obviously, 2023 was such a wretched year on the road for Watford fans we were actually unbeaten in four away now three wins and then the that chaotic Plymouth draw and we've only lost one of our last eight away league games which was at Leicester no great shame in that um and we've only lost four away from home well only you know we've lost four away from home this season which actually isn't as as dismal as you might think so uh, yeah I think QPR we've got a little run of games here now actually where you think Let's kind of keep that up in terms of away games. QPR obviously struggling. Bristol City, we know, are a decent side and picked up under Liam Manning. But Chef Wednesday and obviously in that kind of battle at the bottom of the table. Norwich are not having a great season. Millwall, sorry, Rotherham are not having a great season. Millwall are not having a great season. Birmingham away, which I'm planning to go to. I mean, obviously, this is now the middle of March we're talking about. But they're kind of being uh, iffy under Wayne Rooney. They might pick up now. They've got a proper manager in charge and Tony Mowbray. But yeah, there's... There's an opportunity for us to to get pick, continue picking up points on on the road, and if we can sort the home form out as well, then suddenly you go actually maybe we can kind of catapult ourselves back into the sort of playoff picture. But um, I'm probably getting ahead of myself there, given we are looks at tables for only four points actually off the playoffs, which yeah, is yeah a couple of games ago it was a lot closer, wasn't it? But a couple of draws didn't really help mm. us. Uh, victories would have got us firmly into the playoffs, but uh, some good teams in there. To be fair, I think I'd be pretty content to uh, for a first season in charge from Valerian to finish around where we are now. It's not it's not bad to be honest, given what we were fearful of uh, at the start of the season. It's uh, you know not not too bad. Oh yeah, um, QPR though, lots of worries on their uh, on their minds at the moment, don't they? Yeah, as I say, kind of started really well under Cifuentes and it's, it's just gone off. I think Elias Chelius Chair is injured, who's one of their kind of better players and, and they've just not been scoring uh, two goals in the, the last six, which is a, a pretty wretched record. I suspect they will do some, try and do some business in January, but you know, you look at their kind of forward options. Um, Lyndon Dykes has never been prolific. Paul Smith, certainly not prolific. Sinclair Armstrong looks a good young prospect, but, you know, young emphasis on that. And then those kind of midfielders, you really are pinning a lot of your hopes on Willock and and Chair to get the the goals. And if they're not scoring, I wouldn't look at the rest of that midfield and say, oh, there's other players that can can chip in there. So, yeah, I, I... I, I would say if we are serious about kicking on and, and building on the momentum we had created, then we've really got to be going there and and and, and sticking it to them. 
Right, okay. Well, um, let's hope that we do that. Um, the FA Cup draw is coming up. Um, what do you want from, from the FA Cup draw? As we speak, it's going to happen in about half an hour's time, so probably won't be able to comment on it. But um, what, what, do you, what, what, do you, what do you want, Tom? I would like a winnable home tie, home so I can go and win a ball because build momentum and it'd be nice to have a little cup run, wouldn't it? I think it always injects a bit of excitement into a season where you've not got otherwise particularly high hopes. So yeah, a nice winnable home draw, someone someone fairly boring would, would be absolutely fine. I would love Luton or Bolton. <laughs> Why Bolton? Well, because that's who Luton have to uh, replay against, isn't it? course it is yes so um ah. yeah home tie again home tie obviously home time obviously but home tie against Luton fantastic let's take him on let's see if they really are as good as they think they are um and if it's not them if it's Bolton then a bit more of a test than what we got previously uh with Chesterfield but um still a good opportunity to test a couple of guys on the fringes and see if they're up to a, a Bolton side who are doing pretty well this season exactly no I Quite happily avoid Luton, but Bolton would be. I would. I'd file that under a boring but winnable tie. <laughs> they did well to get the draw against uh, Luton. To be fair, so uh... they did. They did. They're no. They're certainly no mugs. They're not. A, they're not a bad. They're not a bad team at all, actually. But uh, it'd be certainly be a step up, I think, again from Chesterfield. But uh, given that they're uh, they're flying in 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 League One, uh, just behind Portsmouth, but. Um, I would I would file it away as one that we could we could win and, and progress from certainly or Wrexham because then you're getting the money right. It depends, doesn't it? No, you don't think so. You don't think that that would be a automatic pick for the television coverage. I mean, most of their games are, to be fair, aren't they? So yeah, maybe then maybe it would be maybe it would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then thanks very much for joining me, Pleasure. Tom. Um, hopefully, we'll have a full compliment back to talk about QPR game. Um. Yeah, it's it. Oh, I do love FA Cup. It, it's coming around again soon, isn't it? Uh, is it late Jan or early Feb or something like that? Yeah, late late Jan this year. So um, yes, that would be. Uh, mind you, given how thin the squad is, let's hope we've got some new face, couple of new faces in by then. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Okay, then thanks very much, guys. Um, we will uh, see you again soon. But until then, follow us in all the usual places. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.